0: You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you as always for joining us. So much to talk about. I don't know if we'll be able to get to it all. Uh, Judicial Watch is doing more than ever uh, to ensure government accountability, protect the rule of law, protect the U.S. Constitution, and uh, make sure you know what the government's up to. Uh, big news first out of the Biden administration, namely Joe Biden himself has been caught red handed in a document scandal. In many ways, it's an absurd uh, situation we're in uh, because Biden has, it's been confirmed, but he's admitted or finally confessed that he had so-called classified information in various locations from his days as vice president, or that's what he says. Now, they found out about this back in November, the beginning of November, a week before the election, and we only found out about it this week. And I'm convinced we found out about it this week because they figured out that the new House Republicans were to come in and figure out something was up. Now, of course, the absurdity of this is that uh, they're going after Donald Trump for similar behavior. This is the, this is what you have to remember. You gotta take a step back. I would just want to highlight the absurdity of this. Ten, twelve years ago, Judicial Watch found out that Bill Clinton had tapes he kept after he left office, and the tapes recorded him talking to foreign leaders and members of Congress. We thought that was quintessential presidential activity, that uh, the and the recordations would be the type of records the archives, National Archives, should have. So we asked them to get them. We got the proverbial hand to the face. We sued in federal court and the National Archives, the Justice Department, and a federal court judge says, too bad. The president has um, almost unreviewable authority to designate records as personal or uh, presidential. And the Justice Department went so far as to say, oh, if he has records after he leaves office, they're presumptively personal. So whether they they had initially been classified or not, it didn't matter because under the presidential records, he could designate any record as personal. And all presidential records, uh, you know, the presidential record classification subsumes um, any classified records. So classified records are uh, part of presidential records necessarily. So when they changed their mind and changed their position, And ignored the precedent and ignored the plain law and the Constitution to target Trump over records he had after he left office, uh, we blew the whistle. And of course they didn't stop the Justice Department because they were out to get Trump. But in blowing the whistle, you may recall here on, on, on the Weekly Update and elsewhere, my highlighting the fact that every president has records like this. Or lightly has records like this that are either classified or otherwise presidential under this new theory of the law. And so they threw out the rule book to get Trump, but I guess they didn't care what the consequences would be. And the irony is, the consequences are that Joe Biden has been caught up in this state in this same specious interpretation of the law. Now, of course, they're not applying my interpretation of the law. They're pretending all of these are crimes. So what we have here is the president of the United States, Joe Biden, according to his own Justice Department and own National Archives, is being implicated in a crime. And as I said, they covered this up. They pretended to investigate it for two months. And then Garland, in finally being forced to appoint a special counsel to look into uh, what Biden did here, admitted that the, the uh, U.S. attorney initially appointed to look at this uh, has found uh, some issues that would require further investigation. So what a, what a mess the corrupt Biden administration and the corrupt Justice Department have made about this, right? And, you know, a lot of this were, expe- you, you know, some of this were, were expected just to presume is true. Like these were records from the White House. They were Biden's records. Uh, that um, they were accidentally left in places, or, you know, we don't know any of that to be true. I mean, the first batch, they admitted, was found um, down the street, I'm pointing back here. Where is it? It's literally like four or five blocks away. It's a a building at the bottom of Capitol Hill. It's a well-known spot. It's a a good restaurant in there, and um, you know, lots of offices and such, and the Chinese funded uh, Penn Center, right? Is that what it's called? He, Biden had some hideaway office in there and his lawyer found the classified records supposedly in November because they were moving. And you know, I've been doing this work at Judicial Watch for a long time. We've worked with a lot of law firms and I don't recall a, uh, thinking we could use law firms to move records and to move offices, to engage in office moving. Usually, you know, they're you pay a lawyer to move there's something up there. That's my point. And then they admit, oh, we have records in his home, two places: one in his library and one in his garage. So what does that tell me? First of all, how did the records get there? Three different locations, and I mean records being the classified version of them, uh, because that's where you know supposedly the legal issue is big is big. You know, and I would assert, if he wanted to, Biden could make the point. These are not classified because in taking them, they became declassified. That all being said, but how did they get there? And when you have records in three different locations like this, it suggests that they were being used. Now, do you think Biden used them? I don't. But it does—it it is consistent with someone else using them. And who do you think in the Biden team would be using records like this, including records purportedly about Ukraine? Who do you think? Well, his, uh, his first name is Hunter, and his last name is Biden. So I'm suspicious that these records aren't even necessarily White House records taken by Joe Biden. They could be records taken by someone else around him and improperly used and stored somewhere else if the Justice Department theory of the case is to be believed. But still, there was this cover-up. There's been no raid, no grand jury, only because of intense pressure over the last few days did they get forced into appointing a special counsel. I mean, uh, Garland came out, was it in late November, and said, oh, you know, we need a special counsel for, for uh, Trump. And he knew at the time Biden had done the same thing. So Garland's Justice Department is irredeemable. So Garland is running the Justice Department incompetently, to put it charitably, and just out- outrageously corruptly. Uh, you know, if one is being blunt, and uh, if I were Republicans, forget about impeachment. We got to get someone out, someone new as Attorney General. That's what I would be thinking about. And of course, this whole this whole absurd attack on Trump. It was foreseeable it would bring in, if the law was being even modestly applied in a fair manner, other former presidents and other former vice presidents. Heck, every president since the classification system was developed by the federal government. So you're going back, I don't know, to Truman, maybe Eisenhower under the modern classification systems. Do they? Do those families have classified records and presidential records under the new theory of law? Carter, Reagan, George H.W., George W., Obama. Don't get me started on Obama. I think his records have been sketchily handled uh, since the get-go. And of course, all their vice presidents, including Vice President Biden. Now, some say Biden doesn't have the right to do what Obama, uh, what, what uh, Trump does, did in terms of declassification or has that type of authority. I think, uh, now, when you think about the president's right to declassify records, uh, he's the president, he's commander-in-chief, the classification authority essentially originates with him and his constitutional uh, position as uh, chief executive and commander-in-chief. Now, under the president, now, some, some records can be uh, declassified just separately under, um, uh, as a result of presidential orders. Uh, by the vice president, but really specific and uh, kind of a narrow subset of records. Uh, but as I said earlier, uh, the Presidential Records Act allows the president to declassify records, presuming that he designates records as personal. If the records are classified and he designates them personal, there's no second-guessing them. And that, uh, that rule applies to the, vice president, um, to the vice president. So the vice president has the same powers under the federal statute as the president does in terms of designating records as personal and presumably any presidential records that he designates as personal that are also classified become personal. So it's not like either Trump or Biden did anything wrong. And, you know, forgive me, I'd like to see Biden, you know, be prosecuted if he did something wrong. But in this case, there's been this absurd absurd, uh, interpretation of the law an abusive and twisted interpretation of the law to get Trump, and the, uh, the gang in the Justice Department didn't care about the consequences, and now the consequences are Biden is facing a criminal investigation. Now, if Biden was, you know, had, uh, had a spine or understood the law, he'd recognize that he'd been had by the Justice Department. This is the charitable interpretation. And say, well, this is this is obvious craziness." And he'd say, "Tom Fitton's right, right? <laughs> These records are uh, presumptively personal, and let's stop harassing presidents and former vice presidents, including me. And I'm shutting this down because I'm the president, and I can. Now, but you know, it's probably too late for that, right? It's probably too late for that. Uh, but uh, at this stage, the way the Justice Department is going, uh, they won't be able to target Trump without targeting Biden. What, are they going to be co-defendants? Is that, is that going to be the way it works out? It, it just highlights the absurdity. Maybe we can bring in Bill. They can go get those sock records now back that he's been hiding for years. Who knows what Obama has? Frankly, if I were a former president or former vice president, I'd be calling my lawyer. We don't know what's going on here. What records do I have here? Do, you know, we thought we were following the rules or, you know, these were the rules. Now they've upended them to go after Trump. Are we, are we liable too? But, you know, this is, this is life. And this is, this shows you that the Justice Department is just so corruptly incompetent, it endangers the nation's security. It's destabilizing the government. Because if the President of the United States is going to be under investigation for his criminal conduct, assuming the Justice Department can even do that constitutionally, but it's another matter, there better be good reason for it. And there's really no good reason to be uh, targeting anyone over these records issues. But, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the grifter. And now Joe Biden is going to have his. Uh, His Corvette reviewed, maybe? Maybe they're going to take fingerprints off his Corvette to see who was at access to the garage. You know, given the way the Justice Department's been treating Trump, why not? And they appointed a special counsel who supposedly was a Republican or Trump-appointed a U.S. attorney in Maryland. Turns out he's a friend of Rod Rosenstein, who was notoriously um, abusive and... um, uh, uh, of Trump when he was in the Justice Department. They were trying to suppress the release of information about the corruption at the FBI and DOJ. This new special counsel was. So, you know, it's not going to necessarily mitigate the issue by having a special counsel, although now each, both Trump and Biden, both candidates for president, presumably, have their own special counsels. And this is Washington. And I keep on saying, if they'd listened to us, or you know, more importantly, they had followed prior Justice Department and Archives policy, and and uh, you know, as descri- as described, I think accurately by the courts, uh, none of this would be a problem. But they were trying to destroy Trump. Now, what's going to happen? I think if they can get away with it, they're going to exonerate Biden and keep on going after Trump. I think that's the more likely, the most likely result. But it was going to be difficult, more difficult politically. It would be a shame if they were shut down because of politics, as opposed to the rule of law being vindicated. But we'll see what happens. I guess if you're facing a criminal prosecution, anyway that you, sh- anyway that it's shut down, as long as you're free from abusive prosecution, you're going to be happy with. But What a nightmare. And so what Judicial Watch is doing is we're investigating. We already have a comprehensive investigation, a litigation project uh, uh, looking into the targeting of Trump on these records issues. And uh, I mean, for instance, we just sued uh, at the end of November, not that long ago, uh, DHS for communications between the Secret Service, the Department of Homeland Security, for communications between the Secret Service and the FBI on the search warrant and the raid on Trump's Florida home. So what's the secret there, right? Why can't we get these records? And it shows you there's this massive cover-up. It's one of, I think, of at least a half a dozen lawsuits. So you can be sure we're going to file a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, well, a request, uh, and then probably a lawsuit like this. Give us records about communications between you know, lawyers for Biden, who supposedly were doing these searches, and the Secret Service and things like that. And communications between the archives and Biden and other former presidents and vice presidents, were they as upset about them potentially having records as they were in terms of harassing Trump? So we've expanded our investigation to include the Biden garage document scandal and the other stashes. And of course, there's another scandal here. Which is the U Pen scandal side of it, which is, as those of you who have been following this issue closely over the last two years know, has been heavily funded by the Chinese government. And then, of course, there are other issues as it relates to the handling of classified information that Congress doesn't want you to know about because too often they get classified records sometimes. And the question is do they keep records uh, that are either classified or information that is classified from those records, meaning they take notes and other things that become classified in virtue? of their transcription. And so why is that important? Because someone like Joe Biden, who was a senator for ever and a day, has all of his records hidden from the American people up in the University of Delaware as a result of a secret agreement to keep them away from the American people until he's free and clear of uh, politics. And Judicial Watch and the Daily Caller News Foundation has been suing to get access to those records and those secret deals to keep these records secret. And we've had, uh, it's kind of like a back and forth. We win, we lose at the lower court, we go to the appeals court, the appeals court kicks it back, and the lower court doesn't want to do it again, and you know, now we're back up to the appeals court. And what's going on is the University of Delaware is desperate to avoid uh, uh, having to disclose details as to whether there were taxpayer dollars involved in this secret dealing or the management of the records. And the court, at least the Supreme Court of Delaware, has made it clear they want that type of information. And the lower court doesn't really seem interested in getting it. And so uh, we're back at the Supreme Court again, asking for limited discovery to depose a uh, University of Delaware representative over Biden's Senate papers. What are the papers he's hiding there? I mean, why is there so de- you know Biden can stop all this with a drop of a hat. He can say, just give him access. I mean, I've been out of he's been out of the Senate for what, 10 years now? At least 10 years. Why not provide access to the records? And specifically, we've, you know, now we're fighting uh, the University of Delaware doesn't even want to tell us directly whether government dollars were used to maintain these records. Because if, they, if we find out, or the court finds out they were used to maintain the records, that triggers the FOIA applicability there in the state. As we say about the lower, opinion, lower court opinion, uh, the opinion should be reversed. The supplemental affidavit, which is the affidavit filed by the University of Delaware officials to try to stave off further judicial watch and court questioning, is nothing more than a document filled with state hearsay and vague assertions without proof, which at best show that the university did not engage in, in a diligent effort as required by law to review our requests. You know, and we've asked to vet the assertions directly, and they don't want to let us question anyone. I mean, essentially what they've gone around is, is they've gone around and started asking people, were government, government dollars used, and people say no but they provided no records about how the money spent. I mean, does that make any sense to you? It doesn't to us. And I don't think it will to the courts. The University of Delaware has been sitting on Biden's Senate records for more than 10 years and is desperate to avoid any scrutiny of its secret deal with Biden to hide these records. The latest revelations about Biden's handling of classified records Raise even more questions about what Biden is hiding up there in Delaware. So, are there, are there secret records up there or classified records? I don't know. Maybe there should be a raid. You know, one other thing that popped out uh, recently is the, and this was just two weeks ago, and I have a feeling this story was leaked purposely given uh, the ongoing um, and secret, th- then secret investigation of uh, the garage files, the Biden's garage files or his secret files generally, Uh, the FBI didn't want to go after Trump. So they've leaked to the Washington Post. Initially they didn't think there was a basis to harass him about the records and they opposed a raid. And the raid was um, successfully pushed for by a Trump, excuse me, a Biden administration political appointee in the Justice Department. So this raid wasn't conducted, or or uh, the result of uh, you know the recommendations of politically neutral civil servants. The career civil servants were all supposed to uh, fall down and worship whenever their uh, that phrase is used. Uh, these were political hacks p- placed there by Joe Biden, and uh, they uh, forced the FBI over their objections, if the Washington Post is to be believed, to raid. Trump. Now, don't you think that story's leak is very interesting in light of, you know, we didn't know this at the time the story was published, but that they were protecting Biden? So the FBI, someone in the FBI saw this is going to blow up in our faces. Let's step away from it. Because it's going to come out, Biden's being protected, and we're going to look like the goon squad, as if we already don't. There is terrible corruption in our agencies, our law enforcement agencies, and they've been misused and abused to achieve political results by putting people on the dock, by prosecuting them and harassing them. And that's so dangerous to a, Republic form, a Republican form of government. It's Putin-esque. So what's gonna happen with the Biden documents? I don't know. There are now two special counsels looking at two presidents' handling of records after they leave office. And, uh, you know, if, if they were competent, they'd say the law doesn't require us to pursue any of this. Let's all go home and call it a day. So Trump should get all the darn records back and Biden should get all the darn records back. And before I get into our other releases, I want to talk about this ongoing massive scandal of all the king's horses and all the king's men, meaning every government agency you can practically speak of, from executive branch to the Senate to the House, abusing their powers, abusing their offices to target American citizens with censorship by intimidating and forcing and requiring uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, to take our stuff down. That's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. There ought to be criminal investigations and prosecutions right now. Uh, But more is coming out. We just had information coming out that Adam Schiff sought to remove the material of uh, Paul Sperry. And they wanted a restriction of searches by Twitter users of anything related essentially to their shady impeachment effort. And it's being reconfirmed today uh, that they kept on pushing and pushing and pushing for more restrictions out of Adam Schiff's offices. Now, Kevin McCarthy, who is now the new House Speaker, I guess that's another big piece of news I should mention as we're talking. Uh, He is a speaker as a result of his agreeing to a a significant, what I would call, a power-sharing arrangement with conservative reformers in the House that will ensure that Congress and the House operates in a more transparent, regular manner that doesn't uh, result, for instance, in giant bills at the end of the sessions, or at least this is a theory, at the end of congressional sessions that have to be voted on before Washington collapses for lack of funding. You know, one bill, one topic, not full of grab bag goodies and other things having to do with the underlying bill that they attach to get the spending and other terrible policies passed. That's gonna be no more under these new rules. And there are all new rules as well, but that's the biggest one. Uh, So McCarthy, uh, in my view, uh, has an obligation and the Republicans to protect the uh, public from the predations of people like Schiff. And Schiff has a demonstrated record of unethically lying about information he has as a result of his chairmanship of the Intelligence Committee and, and other positions of trust he has. And McCarthy has said, I guess he's going to kick off Schiff. He's going to kick off Swalwell. He's going to kick off, who else? Ilan Omar, because he, she said something anti-Israel. I, I don't think that's enough to kick her off. the intelligence, I think she was on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. I mean, I didn't like what she said. It was outrageous, but, you know, uh, there are other corruption issues she has that should require her to be kicked off. And I can talk about the... Uh, the potential immigration and tax fraud and things related to her marriages that uh, they don't really want to investigate. So I guess they're just going to pick on this, these allegedly anti-Semitic comments as an excuse to get her off. But the point is that uh, Schiff is, is ethically one of the worst people in the House. And he should be nowhere near classified information. So McCarthy says he's going to do it. He needs to do it. And Swalwell is going to be kicked off because he's similarly unethical. Uh, but you know he's he's been so thoroughly compromised uh, because of an alleged relationship, uh, an intimate relationship with a Chinese spy. And if he didn't know what was gu- what was up and what was down when he was doing that, I, you know, does it mean that he was a traitor? No, but it means he doesn't have the judgment. In the ch- the most charitable interpretation of that is, nope, you can't have the keys to the car anymore. So there's a lot to be done there. Um, so the other issue about uh, the t- getting back to the Twitter files, I'm gonna cause my colleagues heartburn by jumping around topics here as they try to sometimes edit these, uh, these videos for future use. But one of the issues around these Twitter files is that you had the Pfizer board of director member, Scott Gottlieb, trying to censor stuff that was adverse to the vaccine agenda. Isn't that outrageous? And you also had information showing, um, in addition to COVID, going back to uh, the Russia smears, you had Democrats in Congress, Senators Blumenthal and Feinstein, and I think there may have been the third senator, I'm, I'm sorry I'm forgetting his name because I would yell about him or her if I could remember, uh, telling, telling um, Twitter that this, st- uh, what, was the, what was the hashtag they were, uh, Release, Release the memo. Release the memo hashtag that I was using. I'm sure we got some tweets we can show them where I was using. Release the memo hashtag Congressmen were using. And the memo was the, the famous Nunes memo that was, if released in full, and when it was released largely in full, uh, showed that the FISA process, the FISA warrant process, the secret spy warrant process, was abused uh, for political purposes to target Trump and his team and Hillary was behind it. And so rather than deal with that reality showing this outrageous and some of the worst corruption in American history, these Democrat senators and their media allies were suggesting those who wanted the truth to come out were Russian bots. And Twitter saw that that was not true, and they did nothing. And in fact, some of these other materials show, you know, Schiff kept on pushing that anyone who was objecting to him was so-called QAnon that I still don't know what that is. It's just the latest term for anyone who disagrees with the left. And they wanted Twitter to to shut it down. And Twitter said, oh, we don't do that. Well, they kind of did do that. They started throttling the reach of some of the accounts that Schiff and others were complaining about. So there was evidence that the uh, Democrats, Hillary Clinton, and the Obama gang We're all knowingly lying about tying Trump to Russia and Trump supporters to Russia. And it was about to come out, so rather than just deal with that as public officials, they abused their offices to try to suppress and smear Americans as agents of a foreign power. People like me. So I'm a Russian bot or in the thrall of the Russians because I know Hillary is corrupt and I want the details of it or I know Obama's corrupt and I want the details of it, or that we're concerned that the FBI has been corrupted and we want the details of it. How un-American that is, to target Americans with these smears to protect yourself from the consequences, legal, criminal, you know, or, or political, excuse me, of your misconduct. These Twitter files are astonishing. And if I were the Republicans in the House, um, I would be looking to severely restrict the ability of any executive branch agency to communicate with anyone about uh, censoring Americans. I would find out who was behind it and have them removed from their position through budgetary maneuvers. There's something, as I discussed last week, called the Holman Rule, where they can defund a position or a whole program. There's a debt ceiling fight. Maybe this could be part of the debt ceiling fight. You get your debt ceiling if you stop destroying the civil liberties of tens of millions of Americans through a federally inspired censorship program. We can't wait two years to stop the censorship, Republicans. Now, Judicial Watch has a a case already over censorship by the California government of Judicial Watch, they went to YouTube, got a video taken down. We also know they were getting tweets taken down of other citizens. And now we see the federal government doing some of the same thing. I know Judicial Watch is targeted in these uh, Twitter files. I mean, the Twitter files have disclosed that Twitter uh, Twitter was targeting us with improper censorship. So who knows, maybe more lawsuits are forthcoming. But that's only civil. And when you knowingly abuse your office to suppress the civil rights of a citizen, there's a criminal liability as well, and that ought to be pursued. So I encourage you to do two things. In addition to watching this video, which is one shortcut, keep track of the Twitter files, and demand that your members of Congress, both in the Senate and otherwise, I know the Senate is controlled by uh, the party that was pushing the censorship, uh, but they, that they pursue these issues forthright, you know, in a in a in a um, swift manner, because we can't wait for our freedom, right? So there's a lot of other things I want to catch up catch up with you on. Uh, we have uh, speaking uh, Hunter Biden. There's a new, another news story this week, again. We're told that they're on the verge of making decisions about Hunter Biden, whether they're going to be prosecuting Hunter Biden. It's 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 like some sort of bureaucratic hamlet to be or not to be in terms of prosecuting Hunter Biden. I mean, who are they kidding? I mean, is it a complicated tax case if indeed that's the low rent case they want to pursue? Is it a complicated gun form case if that's indeed the low rent case they want to pursue? Come on. The real complication of prosecuting Hunter is they really can't do it in a serious way without implicating Joe Biden. No conspiracy claim against Hunter? You know, we're told it's all going to be focused on taxes and and this gun form issue. No conspiracy? No Foreign Agent Registration Act, the gravest sin in American history, we were told, when the uh, Obama administration and the deep state started uh, to criminally enforce it, practically speaking, for the first time in history. Money laundering was by, you know, the evidence is Biden is up to his neck in Hunter's business dealings as a beneficiary and a partner. So surprise, surprise. The Biden Justice Department wants to investigate whether Hunter paid all of his taxes. Spare us. So once again, Judicial Watch is doing a more comprehensive investigation, it looks like, into the corruption around Hunter Biden than the Justice Department. Of course, the corruption continues. You know, we had told you this uh, about this lawsuit, or at least I think I had, uh, where we sued the Secret Service for their alleged intervention in a Hunter Biden's gun scandal. So his girlfriend threw a gun into a dumpster and they had to retrieve it and they went to the gun store. Allegedly, the Secret Service showed up to basically vacuum up the records. That's the allegation, right? Let me read the political report. I mean, I'm describing it in a fun way, but for the record, this is what Politico described it as. The Blaze reported in October 2018, Hunter Biden's handgun was taken by Haley Biden, the widow of then presidential nominee Joe Biden's son Beau. So remember, Hunter supposedly was having a a fling with his brother's widow. And, And then in 2021... Politico reported that Haley took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police began investigating, concerned that the trash can was across from a high school and that the missing gun could be used as a crime, according to law enforcement officials, and a copy of the police report obtained by Politico. So Politico went up and got the politi- police report. Surprising, some journalism from the left media. But a curious thing happened at the time. The Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter brought, bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale, according to two people, one of whom has firsthand knowledge of the episode, and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. Well, what was that? What was going on there? I don't think Hunter was, in 2021, protected by the Secret Service. My understanding is he had given up Secret Service protection in the middle of Biden's second term or the Obama administration's second term. And I don't even think he probably would have gotten it even if um, the vice president was getting it at the time. I don't know if the children still get it after they leave office. Maybe they do. But either way, the job of the Secret Service is to provide protection, right? It's not to go and hunt down gun records, obviously, here, to help Hunter avoid scandal. And so they've been sketchy about whether such records exist. And so this is where Judicial Watch has asked for the records. They gave us the the runaround. We sued in federal court. Again, this is our law enforcement agency refusing to abide by federal law. I think that's a big deal. Do you think it's a big deal? I think it's a big deal. And they gave us, uh, I think, three different answers about whether they have records. Let me say I'm going to be specific here. The Secret Service initially responded to Judicial Watch's FOIA request on April 2, 2021, and stated that it located potentially responsive records and would process them in accordance with FOIA. Then, on October 13, 2022, the Secret Service said, That the April 2021 response was sent in error and then it did not have any records responsive to the FOIA request so the first two answers were oh we have records and of course they didn't give us any and then they said well you know we had um, sent you some uh, that letter we sent you that said we have records we actually don't but then on November 10th 2022 so this is just two months ago, the Secret Service informed the district court, so we're in court at this point, that it has run supplemental searches, and lo and behold, has found 100 records, totaling over 400 pages, potentially responsive to our request. Now, supposedly they're going to complete its initial processing of all potentially responsive requests by January 9th, it's past January 9th. I haven't heard anything, but it doesn't mean something hasn't been sent and it hasn't percolated to me yet. And send records out for any necessary consultations. Oh, well, there you go. I should have kept reading. So when they say they need to send the records out for necessary consultations, that means they need to delay the response to the records, requests that we have. So as we note in the release, the Secret Service's changing story on records raises additional questions about its role in the Hunter Biden gun incident. One thing is clear, though, Judicial Watch's persistence means the public may get records that the Secret Service had suggested didn't exist. So if we hadn't said, give us the records, and we don't believe your response is, we're, uh, we're going to go to federal court, and that's what we did, and lo and behold, oh, they have records. So what do you draw? What conclusions do you draw from this? We caught him in a cover up. To protect Joe and to protect Hunter Biden, not from the threats of security that they're supposed to, but the threats of political scandal. And that's not what the Secret Service is supposed to do. You know, I know we, uh, talk a lot about corrupt government officials. And one of the reasons we're so upset sometimes about the way the agencies behave is because we know there are people who are trying to do the right thing. And almost to um, a person, they are punished and retaliated against. And we do what we can to help whistleblowers, given our limited capacities uh, over the years uh, in all sorts of federal agencies. And we just filed a a lawsuit. on behalf of an FBI analyst who was targeted by what I would call the deep state FBI, I guess for daring to raise objections about its approach to certain issues. Uh, and I guess he was on the wrong side of the ideological divide in the Biden-FBI. Uh, Judicial Watch announced that it filed a lawsuit on behalf of FBI analyst Marcus Allen and the U.S. District Court for the District of South Carolina uh, against the FBI, uh, specifically FBI Director Ray, so he's the named person, for violating Allen's constitutional rights by falsely accusing him of holding conspiratorial views, stripping his security clearance, and suspending him from duty without pay. The FBI revoked his security clearance because apparently the FBI believes that any views contrary to its own regarding what occurred on January 6 constitutes disloyalty to the United States. So there you have it, right? So evidently, uh, uh, Marcus Allen, who is an American hero, um, was a uh, target for retaliation because he was doing the job of an FBI analyst, which is to raise all sorts of questions that the left didn't want raised within the FBI or by the FBI and how evaluated January 6th. But some of that is guesswork because they just accused him of this misconduct, this egregious Misconduct. He is a Marine veteran, and they accuse him of disloyalty to the United States of America. Without telling him what the basis of it is for, that's outrageous. I mean, and he's a, and he's a top-notch guy, because and we quote this in the in the lawsuit because of his outstanding military service. Allen was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal. And the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal. In 2004, he was designated the Marine Corps Intelligence Activity runner-up for Intelligence NCO of the Year. Hardworking guy, patriot. 2015, he joined the FBI as a staff operations specialist. Among other tasks, he has provided ad hoc, all-source analytical support for the FBI Charlotte Field Office Joint Terrorism Task Force. He's consistently been rated exceeds, fully successful on his FBI performance evaluations. He received the FBI Charlotte Field Office Employee of the Year Award 2019, and he received his top secret service, uh, excuse me, his top secret security clearance in 2001. But then they just pulled the rug out from under him for politics. That's how I interpret this. They sent him a letter January of last year, about a year ago. The security division has learned you have espoused conspiratorial conspiratorial views, both orally and in writing, and promoted unreliable information which indicates support for the events of January 6. What? These allegations raise sufficient concerns about your allegiance to the United States. Your allegiance to the United States because you're questioning the Biden administration's political analysis of January 6th? That's the implication here and your judgment to warrant a suspension of your clearance pending further investigation." And you know, just so you know, that's a, such a dishonest way of dealing with him. And I'm, you know, I'm not a personnel lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, but my experience with the federal government is such that it's very hard to fire someone or punish them uh, for just doing a job you don't like, right? And one way to get around that, because of the personnel policies are kind of a bear, uh, is to yank someone's security clearance, so if, and, and for which there is much more difficult uh, vehicles to challenge. I mean, the law makes it harder to challenge the yanking of your security clearance, because as you might imagine, they have a lot more leeway in terms of uh, figuring out who should and shouldn't have a security clearance. So what they did to Marcus Allen was they yanked a security clearance, essentially making it, which made it impossible to perform his job. So problem solved, right? Nope, because Judicial Watch is representing him in a civil lawsuit over this. Allen's allegiance is to the United States as he has demonstrated during his years of exemplary military and law enforcement service to his country. He was not involved in the events of January 6th and did not support them in any material way. The FBI has made no allegation or offered any evidence to the contrary. He's expressed no view that could be reasonably interpreted as personally expressing support or sympathy for any unlawful activity that occurred on January 6th. The FBI has not identified any specific statements or actions supporting its contention that our client has done anything wrong. So he's done everything he's been asked. You know, and and you have to place this in context. There's a purge going on in the FBI. Jim Jordan, who's now running the Judiciary Committee for the Republicans, uh, he's going to be running a subcommittee that's going to be investigating this, a select committee about the weaponization of the federal government. He's noted multiple whistleblowers have called it a purge what's going on in the FBI. And Marcus's experience is consistent with a political purge at the FBI. So we sued under the First and Fifth Amendments, and we asked that his security clearance and employment be restored. Judicial Watch seeks to remind the FBI that it's not above the law with this civil rights lawsuit for Mr. Allen, who's a directed, uh, excuse me, a decorated marine, veteran and highly regarded FBI employee. And we're being helped by Ruth Smith uh, down in South Carolina, and Sean Bigley is also representing. Mr. Allen separately uh, and his colleague Jeffrey Billett on the security clearance fight. So this is a big battle and it's about the heart and soul of the FBI in many ways. And Judicial Watch, once again, is front and center. So we hear about these whistleblowers coming forward. You know, We hear about them being punished and at least in this one instance, Judicial Watch is able to provide some support for this patriotic hero. And we're able to do it thanks to your support. So obviously, when you support Judicial Watch, this this is the type of work you're supporting. These are the type of people you're helping. And I encourage you, if you aren't already, to support Judicial Watch if you like this type of legal work, in addition to all our other efforts to try to save this country and educate Americans about why the country is worth saving. I've got some other quick lawsuits to go over with you, all of which are about important, pressing issues. So they've uh, eliminated a vaccine mandate in large measure in the military. Great news. Although I understand there are some caveats that still allow some in the military to be abused over the vaccine mandates. We'll see how that works out. And we're tracking that carefully. Uh, but one of the outrages about the vaccine mandate are the safety issues related to it and the efficacy related to the vaccine and whether or not the military actually needed it to be mandated for its service members or whether they were doing it for vindictive and political purposes. You guess where I come down on that? And of course, you know, if you're pushing forward a vaccine like this, one thing you do as a military leader and running the Pentagon and Defense Department, you have an obligation to make sure that this novel vaccine technology that is widely being used across our armed forces or being mandated upon pain of punishment of the destruction of these poor people's careers, people aren't being injured in significant ways. Sure enough, they're covering up information that could provide us details about whether this vaccine has injured service members. We sued for records of the Defense Department's Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. A subset of the data uh, contained within this system contains up-to-date and historical data on diseases and medical events. It provides a user-friendly interface to perform queries regarding disease and injury rates and relative burdens of disease in active component populations. It's a standard methodology it uses for medical experts to collect, integrate, and analyze active component service member personnel and medical event data. So you can see easily how COVID vaccine adverse events, for instance, would intersect with this database. In February, 2021, the ranking member of the U.S. Senate Permanent Subcommittee Investigations, Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, one of the one or two senators in the, I shouldn't say just two, maybe there's four or five, in the the Senate that are investigating these issues aggressively. He sent a letter uh, to the defense secretary highlighting reports from three whistleblowers about injuries to servicemen and women potentially related to the COVID-19 vaccines. Based on data from this database that I'm talking about, Thomas Renz, an attorney who is representing three Department of Defense whistleblowers, reported that these whistleblowers found a significant increase in registered diagnoses on the the database for miscarriages, cancer, and many other medical conditions in 2021 compared to a five-year average from 2016 to 2020. So the question is, what caused that? And it doesn't seem like anyone much cared in the Defense Department. So we asked for records about this issue and these issues, and I'm not going to read the FOIA because I think there are... One, two, three, <laughs> seven subparts or something like it. Essentially, we want records about what was going on with this database from the senior leadership. It's a great FOIA request. Another, another image shared on Facebook shows that uh, there were skyrocketing levels of disease among p- military personnel. And an unnamed Defense Department source told Reuters, of course, they're trying to cover their tracks here, Because Reuters and other news publications, they come in, they're not news publications, they're activist groups who call themselves news publications in my view, but they come in to fact check all this. So all these concerns come in, and then the fact checkers come in from the left to lie for the government to suppress questions about the vaccines or abusive mandates. The calculations based on figures from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database are incorrect. Last year's apparent sharp increases were caused by underreporting for the year's 2016-2020. Spokesperson for the Department of Defense told Reuters that due to data corruption, the platform showed only a fraction of the actual medical diagnoses registered in that period. Oh, so it was a computer error that showed this radical jump in diseases in 2021 because they hadn't been counting everything properly till then. This is why we sued. We want to figure out the truth. And of course, it ignores the point as to what is the basis for causing any diseases that are registered in the database, right? Are they adverse events? Are they separate events? Are they tied to COVID? Are they tied to COVID-19 vaccines? Or are they just part of the things, medical issues that happen to human beings in the course of being in the military? So this is a great little lawsuit. I keep on saying that, but I mean, don't you love what Judicial Watch does? Who else does this stuff? No one. I mean, heck, we're obviously, you know, we're not a military group right here, Judicial Watch, right? We're just regular citizens. We got a bunch of veterans here. You know, but the least patriots can do is to make sure our military is, has the resources it needs so that people are safe in the military when they do their job and their lives aren't put at unnecessary risk and they're not being abused. I don't know about you, but I, I consider it a priority to make sure our military men and women aren't abused by the bureaucrats running them. And I tell you, all the evidence I've seen and not only on this issue, but everything else our military needs a lot of protection from too often an incompetent and corrupt leadership class. The def- and of course, this, dis- this discussion would all be mooted out if they just gave us the darn documents. So the fact they're hiding this information about what this database shows and whether there are issues there tells us that there's a cover-up because the law requires them to give us the documents. So what are they trying to hide? What are they willing to violate the law to hide? Yeah, as I say in the release, the Defense Department seems to have something to hide about a key database that could provide insight on any issues related to the COVID-19 vaccines, which as again, outrageously, and in some small measure until recently, was mandated. So I mean, you know, many of us, if we take the vaccine, and there are consequences, good or bad, it's because you engaged in a voluntary decision, right? Not many, many men. <laughs> not many young members of our military. So we have to protect them or vindicate them if they've been damaged, and expose what went on, so they're never similarly placed in this untenable position of choosing whether to serve their country and continue their careers in the military versus taking this irreversible medical treatment like the COVID vaccines. And speaking of corruption in the medical community, one of the worst and terrible forms of corruption is the use of fetal organs obtained from the bodies of unborn human beings killed by abortion for Frankenstein-like medical experiments. Human-mice hybrids, they were attaching the scalps of unborn babies to mice, right? Just nightmare, using livers and thymuses and brains, selling heads, hearts, right? And we have the credit card receipts, we've done the investigation. Yeah, University of Pittsburgh, where we had exposed essentially what was a chop shop. I mean, they had buzz saws and everything. Uh, to dismember uh, the, the innocent, unborn, killed through abortion. Uh, we exposed that, uh, federally funded, by the way, by the FDA, in part, uh, with our friends at the Center for Medical Progress. Outrageous stuff. Now, this became a controversy, thanks in part to Judicial Watch disclosures during the Trump administration of these barbaric experiments, and Trump, to his credit, and his administration turned off the spigot, or attempted to, for these uh, horrific experimentation. Uh, uh, programs that were widespread. I mean, they were essentially trafficking in fetal organs, arguably contrary to law. One court found in getting documents for us, he said, well, this looks like it's a violation of the law. You're not allowed to be doing this. So the Biden administration, which is uh, full of uh, pro-abortion, and I don't use that term lightly, extremist, came in and they turned the spigot back on and uh, whether the funding has actually flowed, I guess is an open question, but that's why we're suing. So we sued, after they refused to give us documents, the National Institutes of Health, for all communications regarding uh, human fetal tissue between the Office of Extramural Research and any of the following entities, the University of Pittsburgh Pitt, which had that chop shop for the little bodies I told you about, Uh, the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, also involved, the National Abortion Federation, a pro-abortion monolith, and Planned Parenthood, which is an entity I think is the single biggest provider of abortion in America responsible for the deaths of potentially millions of unborn human beings through abortion. And so I don't know where you stand on abortion, uh, but I tell you what, if there's one thing I hope we agree upon is that uh, if a, a fetus is developed enough to have a skull, a brain, a liver, and a thymus, Uh, we just don't treat them like garbage. And we just don't take their organs and treat them like a commodity. We wouldn't do that for any other human being. Why would we do that for the unborn? And I tell you, it it highlights the, the moral depravity of the culture of death that they would treat the remains of the unborn that they tell us are not human beings and deserve no protection under law for their right to life, but certainly they're used for experimentation because in fact they are human beings biologically. So this is about morally as an important case or group of cases and investigations and educational activity as Judicial Watch is doing. I tell you, if, if this as a country is what we're doing, you know, how can we hold our heads up? So I don't know what Congress is gonna do. Maybe that would be an interesting case. Maybe they can start exposing and defunding this barbarism, these Frankenstein-like experiments. We've had the, as a result of these disclosures, the the FDA confirmed that they use these uh, fetal organ research programs to help um, figure out whether to um, allow vaccines to be used. I think they developed them, for, um, at least in some measure, for the safety of uh, some of these vaccines. You know, you'll see all these fact checks. Well, they're not used in the development of the vaccine. Well, of course, the fact check leaves out they're used in ascertaining the safety of the vaccine. Oh, there are no fetal tissue lines in the vaccines. Well, the fetal tissue was used to make sure they were safe. And of course their definition of safe is different than many other people's definition of safe. So there are a lot of lies around this because a lot of people are very nervous that Americans are gonna get on to this, this Frankenstein opera- these Frankenstein operations that were performing in medical facilities around the country uh, using the body parts of the innocent unborn. So as you can see, Judicial Watch is in the middle of everything. Uh, from uh, the corruption here in Washington, D.C., the First Amendment threats to your freedom, uh, defending uh, whistleblowers, there's really no other entity doing as much heavy lifting as Judicial Watch is for the rule of law, the U.S. Constitution, and, and patriots who are being punished for doing the right thing. And I encourage you, again, Support our work. You can go to judicialwatch.org, judicialwatch-oneword.org. Click on the donate button, make a donation, and if you make that donation, uh, you will be joining a cause and a movement that is historic in its scope and importance and necessity for the future of liberty, the rule of law, and our republic. Thank you very much, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.